Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to CNN Tonight. I'm Jake Tapper in Washington. And tonight, make America great again Again, we're just four days away from the all-important midterm elections and with Republicans optimistic that they're going to be able to flip both the House of Representatives and the Senate, Donald Trump is preparing to ride that wave right into a 2024 announcement. Sources tell CNN that top aides to the former president are gearing up for a possible campaign launch around the third week of November, something Trump himself hinted on the campaign trail again last night. Now, in order to make our country successful and safe and glorious, I will very, very, very probably do it again, okay? Those same sources, however, say that Trump's announcement could be delayed if Republicans do not do as well as he hopes, and perhaps an announcement could come earlier if there's a Republican tsunami next week. I mean, who knows? It's Donald Trump. And there are some major headlines today that could have an impact on what happens Tuesday. Starting with a stronger-than-expected jobs report released today. 261,000 Americans hired in October. In a normal campaign year, that would be welcome news for the White House and Democrats running across the country. But this is not a normal year. And the economic picture is much more complicated and, in the view of most Americans, pretty damn dismal. President Biden's labor secretary today spoke of the dilemma facing Democrats. At the end of the day, no matter how many jobs that I can get in front of this camera and tell you how we've added and how great they are, people are still feeling the struggle at the kitchen table. The biggest economic challenge at the moment seems to be inflation. And yes, we also saw today Americans' wages are rising, but they're not keeping up with the cost of nearly everything else that is soaring. That, we heard this week, remains the biggest concern of the chairman of the Federal Reserve. Without price stability, the economy does not work for anyone. The trick is the Fed's response to ease inflation was to raise interest rates again, another three quarters of a point, which it did on Wednesday. And while we all want prices to go down, that move makes acts like buying a car or a house or just trying to use a credit card more expensive. And it also makes it harder for Democrats to win at the ballot box in a number of key races. Take a trip with me across the country as we visit some of those races. Let's start in my home commonwealth of Pennsylvania, where Oprah is weighing in, endorsing Democrat John Fetterman over the man she turned into a household name. If I lived in Pennsylvania, I would have already cast my vote for John Fetterman for many reasons. Fetterman's opponent, Republican candidate Mehmet Oz, skyrocketed to fame, of course, because of his recurring segments on The Oprah Winfrey Show. And that led him to his own syndicated show, which was co-produced by Oprah. Sometimes these things come alive, sort of sleepy here. Now these can grow. Can you hold that, please? No, I'm not. Just a little bit. Just get a little bit there. 
On to the dairy state now and another candidate Oprah endorsed for the Senate. And that, of course, is Wisconsin's Lieutenant Governor Mandela Barnes. This afternoon, Barnes took on his opponent, Republican Senator Ron Johnson, after Johnson would not outright specifically, without equivocation, commit to accepting the election results next week. A person who would go so far as to say, well, yeah, I didn't get what I wanted, so it can't be right. You know, it's very arrogant. It's very arrogant. It's the height of arrogance. But that's who he's always been. That's who he'll continue to be. And across the country in Arizona, more than 1.2 million early ballots have already been cast. Nowhere, nowhere in the United States has the struggle between election liars and those who reside here on planet Earth played out in more vivid detail than in Arizona, where three of the key Republican candidates for for governor, for Senate, and for Secretary of State of Arizona all traffic in Donald Trump's lies about the 2020 election and invented conspiratorial claims of widespread fraud that never happened. And election liars in Arizona, they're not just on the ballot, they're also at the ballot boxes. This week, a federal judge in the Grand Canyon State blocked a right-wing group from patrolling ballot drop boxes. Voters say members of what's called Clean Elections USA accused them, these voters, of voter fraud while openly carrying guns and wearing body armor and masks and recording the voters. Yeah, I covered my place because they're taking pictures and all that stuff. I mean, this is what we've come to in America, huh? These guys call themselves patriots? Really? The guy standing over there, he's got his face covered, he's got, and he's armed. What's that tell you? They don't want you to vote. The Justice Department says the allegations, quote, raise serious concerns of voter intimidation, unquote, and likely violate the Federal Voting Rights Act. Central, of course, to this is the lie-filled propaganda film 2000 Mules we've told you about, a film propaganda claiming with zero evidence that drop boxes were the scenes of mass voter fraud in 2020. Spoiler alert, they weren't. But the organizer of the group behind this campaign went on Steve Bannon's show and explained to millions of listeners how that propaganda film full of lies and nonsense inspired this ballot-watching movement. Really what inspired me was the idea of 2,000 Mules. So I just threw it out on Truth Social one day and said, hey, we're there. We're supposed to be their boss, but they're stealing it, so let's get out there. Shifts of, you know, maybe two, three hours, ten people at a time, and just stand around them keep those mules from, you know, wanting to come up to the boxes. And it was just a simple thought, and it just took off. A a simple thought is accurate. So, sure, the judge's order now makes it illegal to stalk Arizona ballot boxes and voters, but the misinformation driving all of this, that continues to stalk all corners of American democracy. Here's the Republican outgoing Speaker of the Arizona House, Rusty Bowers, a conservative Republican, talking about his fears about the anti-democracy candidates and efforts in his state. I call it the possibility of going back into the dark ages in Arizona, which would be be a sad time. And I said, welcome to fascism. These lies, they're the centerpiece of many MAGA candidates running in battleground states such as Arizona and a real concern for any American who wants all legal votes counted. We saw more of the impact of misinformation one week ago today after a deranged man set out to harm House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, breaking into her house and violently 
beating her husband with a hammer. President Biden addressed this general threat in a primetime speech this week. And once again, he warned the American people not to take democracy for granted. This intimidation, this violence against Democrats, Republicans, and nonpartisan officials just doing their jobs are the consequence of lies told for power and profit. We have to confront those lies with the truth. The very future of our nation depends on it. But can people hear this warning amidst the cacophony of economic hard times? Because we know that midterm voters' top concern, according to polls, is not the future of democracy. It is the current state of the economy, which is understandable given the very real financial struggles folks are facing, as opposed to theoretical limitations of freedom to vote in the future. Today, I asked a Democratic pollster how Democrats, he thinks, will fare in the midterm elections, what he's seeing out there. He responded simply with this screen grab, the image of a Category 4 hurricane making landfall. Not a good forecast for Democrats. Though again, these are just polls and predictions and prognostications. At the end of the day, it's all up to you. Now, you might remember our first guest, the Georgia election official, who in December 2020 let loose on Trump and others for pushing these election lies that he thought were fostering violent threats. It has to stop. Someone's going to get hurt. Someone's going to get shot. Someone's going to get killed. Gabriel Sterling is about to join us. Does he think the political climate has gotten any better or is it worse since that day two years ago? That's next. Stay with us. Tight races, big names, and lots of political money mean Georgia will be a key focus in next week's midterms. A record number of people have already cast their ballots. The state crossed the two million mark for in-person voting early on yesterday. Numbers far higher than previous midterm cycles. The candidates for governor offering very different takes on the impact of the state's new election law. Take a listen. In Georgia, it's easy to vote and hard to cheat. That's like saying that there are no more sharks in the water because more people get in. More than a dozen election-related lawsuits are still being fought in courts over everything from past races to redistricting to voting machines in Georgia. So there will be a lot of people watching to see how things go Tuesday. As chief operating officer for the Georgia Secretary of State's office, my next guest will play a key role in making sure it all goes smoothly. Gabe Sterling. Gabe, thanks so much uh, for being here. What impact is the new law having on voters? Well, here's the great thing. We have record turnout. We have, we have record use of absentee ballots. We have record use of early voting in a midterm. I mean, the, the, if for anybody to sit there with a straight face and voter suppression going on, it's just silly. And it looks silly on his face. Do you want to believe Stacey Abrams or your lying eyes? In the run-up to this election, county officials in Georgia were sounding alarms about a shortage of poll workers. Uh, given the record turnout, will there be enough people to handle all the demand on Tuesday? We haven't had really a lot of fear about that. Most of the counties have said that they're stocked up pretty well. And one of the fabulous things about having so much early voting, you say we crossed the two million mark. Uh, Jake, we're going to pass the two and a half million mark by the end of all this. And 
That means all the people have already voted, which takes a lot of stress away from election day. So we we anticipate we should have a really effective election day, even with double the voters we saw in the 2020 election. Now, you have raised concerns with county officials about how late reporting of results can fuel skepticism and doubt and conspiracies. Um, Only a third of the counties in Georgia say that they're going to begin counting early votes on election day. Uh, Given how tight some of the races look, do you think we will know the results Tuesday night? Well, it's really up to the voters, but you say a third of the the counties. Those third of counties account for probably 70% of our population, (laughs) so they're the big ones. And they're the ones who really need to do the early tabulation. That's one of the great things from the Election Integrity Act. It now allows, specifically for the first time, that they can do early tabulation of the early votes starting at 7 a.m., on election day morning. And that way by 7.15, 8 o'clock, a lot of our big counties should have their early votes in, should have their absentees in. So we won't have a lot of these big dumps of votes that kind of concern people. And the other thing we told counties to do is don't wait till you get all of them done. Start loading them as you get them so that we can have a nice steady stream of information. People don't freak out to these wild swings. You're, you're obviously worried enough about voter intimidation that Georgia set up a new text alert system what sort of response have you seen during this early voting period? Is, is there cause to be concerned? So far, so good. I mean, I got to tell you, Jake, after the primaries in Georgia, you know, President Trump came and endorsed people against every single one of the incumbents and every single one of the incumbents won. Uh, Governor uh, Kemp was he thumped his opponent by over 50 points. My boss, Secretary Raffensperger, thumped his opponent by over 20 points. It's really calmed down a lot in Georgia. Are there going to be Issues potentially? Absolutely. And that's why we rolled out Secretary Raffensperger's poll worker first response text program so we can alert our headquarters, the local county headquarters, and if the county so chooses, their local law enforcement for fast response with thorough information so we don't get, you know, these crazy rumors that go around on Twitter and stuff. We have real information to respond with. Yeah. Most people learned your name uh, two years ago after you gave that emotional public plea to Trump and others um, that people were going to get hurt if, if they didn't stop lying about the election, lying about all these election conspiracies. Donald Trump obviously has not stopped. Uh, and, and sadly, the numbers of those who believe his lies about the election, especially about Georgia, have only grown. Are you worried at all that his return to presidential politics, perhaps social media, will, will make your job harder? Look, President Trump's going to do what President Trump's going to do. Our job remains the same. We run really good elections in this state. We run very fair elections in this state. We don't engage in voter fraud and we don't engage in voter suppression. We're here to count the votes, follow the law, follow the Constitution and declare a winner. And what I really hope we see this election is what Secretary Raffensperger has called on, which he signed pledge to do, stand by the results, win or lose. That's what we did for 200 years in this country. Come back and fight another day. Do a better job. Give a better speech. Have better ideas and win over more voters. That is how this is supposed to work. Since you made that speech, uh, we've, we've seen a lot of people get hurt. Most recently, uh, Speaker Pelosi's husband, Paul Pelosi. We also saw a threat to uh, Brett Kavanaugh, the Supreme Court Justice. Do you think that violence, political violence, is getting worse? It's definitely getting worse, but it seems to go in cycles. I mean, I'm old enough to remember the 70s when we had regular bombings, and that was terrible. We should never condone it. The one thing we need is adults and responsible people in the room, frankly, on both sides, to scale back the rhetoric. Let's remember that, you know, it was uh, Mr. Schumer who said that they were going to reap the whirlwind after this. And he had to kind of walk those back, but he didn't want to at first. And then President Trump continues with this irresponsible language. People need to be held accountable. The problem is right now is 
The incentives are backwards. If you use this kind of language, you raise more money, you get more clicks, you get more TV airtime. It's really hard to say, hey, let's have boring, normal politicians who are just there to do our jobs and look out for the American people. They want to have bigger Twitter viewerships and say more crazy and outlandish things. And the thing is, they're incentivized to do it because there is no downside right now. Well, some of us have boring people on. I just had you on. You're leading my show. (laughs) Thanks. I appreciate that. It's my job to make elections boring again, and I'm going to keep on trying it every single day. All right. Gabriel Sterling, thank you so much, and thanks for the job. You do really appreciate it. Coming up, as a January 6th committee member, my next guest has made it her mission to defend democracy. Can Congresswoman Elaine Luria defend her seat on Tuesday? She will join us next. She's running one of the most contested house races in the country. Right back with her. Four days to go until the midterms. Polling shows that once again, voters have one overarching issue on their mind, and that is the economy. Prices remain high, and the majority of Americans think the economy is already in a recession, even though the experts who officially make that determination are not there, at least not yet. Republicans across the country are highlighting, reflecting, and capitalizing on the country's sour mood. Most Democrats, however, are taking a different tack, talking about the very real threats to democracy posed by those who refuse to embrace election reality. Democratic Congresswoman Elaine Luria of Virginia is trying to make it clear this election is about standing up for democracy in the United States. She's running for re-election in Virginia in one of the most competitive races in the United States. This is her final pitch to voters. If standing up for what's right means losing an election, so be it. If you're looking for someone who'll just say anything just to win, I'm not your candidate. If you support insurrectionists or call our military weak, I'm not your candidate. If you attack the FBI and defend Donald Trump, I'm not your candidate. And if you believe the 2020 election was stolen, definitely not your candidate. And Congresswoman Luria is on the House Select Committee investigating the January 6th attack. She joins us now. Congresswoman, um, a new poll from the New York Times shows that 26% of voters think the economy is the most important facing issue facing the country. 18% say inflation. Only 8, 8% say democracy. Are you at all worried that you're focused on an issue that doesn't resonate with voters the way you need it to? Well, Jake, I think voters are smart. I think when uh, they show up at the ballot box and think that they can have more than one issue on their mind. And I definitely you know, understand we, we see it all when we go to the gas pump, when we go to the grocery store and, and grocery prices are higher than we're accustomed to. Um, but, you know, I think this is really an existential threat uh, to the future of our country um, and the work I've been doing on the January 6th committee. I, I think it's very important. Um, we have to get this right. Uh, to preserve our democracy in the future. So um, this was my 17th ad of the cycle. I kind of bookended it back in July when I ran my first 60-second ad. I also talked about this, and over the course of you know the last several months, I've had the opportunity to talk to voters about a lot of issues that they mm-hmm. uh, find are important. Um, and when I'm out and about around the district, the, you know, the number one thing that people say when they approach me is, you know, thank you for the work that you're doing on the January 6th committee. And I do find in our community here in Virginia that, that people think this is an important issue. What is your message on the economy for the voters who come up to you and say, what are you going to do to help me pay the groceries? 
Well, I mean, I think first is to say, you know, we, we understand it's, it's tough right now. We're seeing these gas prices. Um, I understand that you know, at the grocery store, um, we're seeing these prices um, that are higher than we're used to. But, you know, we talk about the, the things that we've done over the course of the last year, this administration, the things we're trying to do to help people with um, high costs, the work that we've done to help cut prescription drug costs, the work that we've done to ease burdens with the supply chain. And right here in Virginia, you know, we have the third largest port on the East Coast. And, you know, those investments that we're making to ease these um, situations that are leading to higher prices. Um, and I think when you can have a sort of an in-depth conversation about real things that you're doing, it, it resonates with people. The only other committee member who is in a competitive race uh, this election cycle was Congresswoman Liz Cheney in, of Wyoming. She lost her Republican primary. Does that make you nervous about your own fate? Well, Jake, every district is different. Um, I have you know, been on the ballot here twice before with the voters in coastal Virginia. Um, and I think our message resonates. You know, I've spent 20 years in the Navy. This is a Navy community. And, you know, I'm certainly the only Democrat out there talking about the fact that, you know, over the course of the last two years, I've gotten $62 billion added to the defense budget. We really need to build more ships. We need to stand up uh, to the aggression of, of China against Taiwan, Russia's unprovoked uh, invasion of Ukraine. Um, there's a whole host of issues that are different in every community. And I'm confident that, you know, our track record over my first two terms in Congress is going to carry us across the finish line again. If you don't prevail on Tuesday, will your dedication towards the January 6th committee have been worth it to you? Absolutely. I think that this is the most important work that I've been asked to do professionally more than the 20 years I spent in the Navy, more than the work I did in Congress leading up to this. Um, and I think that this is critical um, to understanding what happened that day um, and to prevent something like this from ever happening again. So I'm, I'm proud to have, you know, been part of something that I think we wish we would have never seen um, as a country, but it is important work, um, and I, I, I'm proud to have been part of this. Uh, you're also a member of the House Homeland Security uh, Committee. States are working overtime to secure their election websites to avoid cyber attacks uh, from China and other uh, bad actors. Uh, are you confident that our election results will be secure on Tuesday? I I'm confident in our election results. Um, I am very familiar with the process that we have here in Virginia, um, the use of paper ballots um, and the ability to have a thorough audit um, of every vote that is cast. And I know that our election workers around the country are working diligently um, to ensure that our elections are safe and fair. Lastly, uh, another issue that's important to a lot of voters is uh, immigration and the fact that there is a crisis uh, on the southern border. Uh, with uh, people coming in uh, and uh, because of the border problem, coyotes and, and others taking advantage uh, of migrants who are seeking a better life. What do you think Biden should be doing, President Biden should be doing uh, to improve the situation at the border? Well, you know, I have, uh, since the first time I ran, we really need comprehensive immigration reform. Um, I think that being able to uh, improve the system for those who want to come here and live and work legally um, is very important. And I think that we need to put the right resources into securing the border. I've voted uh, during the Trump administration and the Biden administration uh, to continue to improve security um, at the border. And I think that there's other resources. I mean, when someone presents themselves legally, um, you know, seeking asylum or as a refugee, 
um, that needs to be handled expeditiously, property, properly, and with dignity for that person or that family. Because you know, I, I think about the situation of, you know, how bad can someone's life be that they would literally, you know, put their child in a baby stroller and walk across an entire continent to try to come mm. and live and have a better future in the U.S. So we need to. There's a lot of work that needs to be done, um, and I look forward to working on that when I come back to Congress. Congresswoman Elaine Luria, Democrat of Virginia, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Uh, enjoy yourself on the campaign trail over the next few days. Among the election deniers on the ballots, Mark Fincham truly stands out. The GOP Secretary of State nominee in Arizona attended Trump's, quote, Stop the Steal, unquote, rally on January 6th. He goes to QAnon conventions. He even self-identifies as a member of the Oath Keepers. Fincham would not accept an invitation to this program, but his opponent did. And Adrian Fontes is here next. Stay with us. Arizona is a veritable rattlesnake nest of election lies. The state's already seen 18 cases of alleged voter intimidation at drop boxes referred to the Department of Justice based on those lies. And even in a year with hundreds of election liars and deniers uh, on ballots across the country, Arizona's really on quite another level. It's the only state where all of the major Republican candidates for U.S. Senate, for governor, for attorney general, and for secretary of state, all of them deny the truth. The fact that Joe Biden legitimately won the 2020 election, that there was no widespread election fraud. In the Secretary of State race, the Republican candidate Mark Fincham was actually in the crowd on January 6th. We invited Fincham on the show tonight again, but have not heard back from his campaign. I'm joined by the Democrat who's running to keep Fincham from that office, which controls elections in Arizona, Adrian Fontes. He's a former U.S. Marine and former Maricopa County recorder. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. You've called your state a, quote, powder keg. How, how real is the risk that somebody will get hurt uh, next week, either trying to vote or during the counting of ballots or in any related way? Well, Jake, thanks for having me. The, the risk is real. And that's the problem. We are finally at a weird place in the United States of America, an uncomfortable place where we're actually talking about the possibility of violence in what ought to be uh, the most civil and civilian activity that we have in the United States of America, which is elections and voting. This is what uh, they have devolved us into. The election liars, the election deniers, uh, the oath keepers, the insurrectionists, they have brought us here because of one person's loss. And that is the true disgrace uh, that we are facing. Uh, and, and, and we've got to have a comeuppance about this. A federal judge ruled that the people staking out the ballot boxes, some of them armed, have a First Amendment right to do so, while in another case, banning them from taking pictures of voters. What are the actual rules about what is and what is not allowed? Well, that's why they're in front of the courts. This isn't something that anybody has ever really contemplated that much. Uh, ballot drop boxes have always been uh, pretty mundane. You know, you go up, you drop your box, your ballot in the box, and that's that. Uh, but these folks who have so corrupted their own narrative and so bent their own minds around the big lie have gotten themselves to the place where now we're in court trying to figure out exactly how it is that we can keep our own people safe and feeling safe while they are voting. Imagine that, Jake. In the United States of America, we now can describe fear in the hearts of American citizens at the prospect of going and voting. That is absolutely shameful. It is the MAGA Republicans who are responsible, particularly people like my opponent who continue 
to, without any evidence, push the big lie. Uh, it's a disgrace and it's embarrassing. Didn't your opponent, uh, Mark Fincham, didn't he say that that he wouldn't count any of the ballots from Maricopa County, which is the most populous county uh, in Arizona, where, where you were an, an office holder? Yeah, I was the county recorder who ran the 2020 election that was subject to the Cyber Ninja audit. I know these systems inside and out, and Mr. Fincham does not. He has no idea what he's talking about. His conspiracy theories are based completely in lies and ignorance. And for him to make any proposals about not counting American ballots really lays bare uh, his fealty to one person, this kind of pseudo-totalitarian uh, authoritarian fascism where one person becomes a supreme leader and your vote just doesn't matter as long as he decides that it doesn't matter. That's not how America is supposed to work. His attitude is anti-American. Uh, he does not have, he, he really ought not have a place uh, in the public conversation. That being said, uh, we're going to beat him at the ballot box. We're going to make sure that he and his type go away. Uh, and I'm excited about uh, facing him uh, on Tuesday and, and throughout all of early voting as we have since October 12th, because we've got an election season in Arizona, not an election day. You've been noticeably um, using tougher language than others in the Democratic Party. You call January 6th an act of terror. You, you push back on the phrase election deniers. You instead call the people who spread these election conspiracies liars and fascists. Um, do you worry at all that that risks inflaming what already seems a, an already angry electorate in a combustible situation? How much angrier can they be when they erect a gallows to hang Mike Pence? How much more outside of civility, uh, civility can they be if they're standing wearing camouflage and long rifles threatening voters? That These people are already insecure. They are already cowards and they are already at the precipice. If we mealy mouth around what they truly are, which is domestic terrorists, if we treat them with kid gloves because we're worried about their feelings, then what we're doing is playing to their trap and legitimizing their position, which is absolutely illegitimate. There are no two sides in this fight. There is the American side, and then there's the MAGA side. And I'm hoping that just like all of the Republicans and independents, that whole coalition that we've built in this campaign, I'm hoping the rest of the country comes to and says, look, and Republicans alike, we've got Adam Kinzinger's endorsement, we've got a sitting member of our House of Representatives, uh, we, we need to start treating these thugs and criminals like the domestic terrorists that they are. They are eroding confidence in our elections. They are destroying America. There is no two-siderism here. And we need to be forceful in pushing back against them. So qu quickly, if you could, because we're running out of time, why is it even close? I mean, you have candidates, not just Mark Fincham, but Kerry Lake and others who are openly telling the, the citizens of Arizona I wouldn't have counted your votes. I wouldn't have certified the election. So why is it so competitive? Well, it's competitive because candidates like myself and my opponent were relatively unknown just a few weeks ago, in all honesty. Our campaigns, uh, I was a county official. He's in the House of Representatives. Uh, it's a very large electorate. In fact, when we started, one in five Arizonans had never heard our names. But we are winning. Uh, we're winning the undecided voters by a two-to-one margin over the last set of, of, of numbers. And so uh, I'm excited about continuing this campaign to help spread the good word. Adrian Fontes, thank you so much. Enjoy your remaining days on the campaign trail. Coming up, many celebrities are helping to get out the vote in this final stretch. Actress and activist Kerry Washington is among them, and she's actually in Arizona right now trying to get our last guest elected. She's here next. Stay with us.
With just a few days left until the midterm elections, voter advocates are ramping up their message to get people out to the ballot boxes to vote. Actress and activist Carrie Washington is among the others who have been out there doing this, tweeting nonstop about the get out the vote effort <laughs> and posting videos of herself with candidates such as Stacey Abrams and Senator Reverend Raphael Warnock, both of them running in tight races in Georgia. Carrie's also been crisscrossing the United States and campaigning in other battleground states, such as Nevada and Pennsylvania, and most recently Michigan, where she pleaded with voters at a rally for Governor Gretchen Whitmer to protect democracy. And Carrie Washington joins us now from Phoenix, Arizona, where she's rallying tonight. Man, you never stop. You're you're campaigning like <laughs> like you're like running for president. You have my vote, by the way, if you if you ever choose to decide to do that. But let me ask you, why did you decide to campaign? in Arizona this weekend. And, and why is this so important to you to get out the vote? You know, I'm calling this my SOS tour. Um, you know, it's, it's, we are in an emergency moment, but really I'm calling it SOS because I'm, I'm focusing on secretaries of state because I think we're in a moment where our democracy is on the ballot and our secretaries of state are the people who really defend our right to a free and fair election. So I'm trying to give as much support to those races as possible. Also because, you know, the presidential elections always get a lot of attention. They're splashy elections, but midterm elections, that's where we really impact our local and state governments as you know, and secretaries of state, that's one of the many roles that um, or offices that we're electing this time. So just trying to draw people's attention, educate folks about how much power they have in these midterm elections to protect democracy itself, as well as education and the environment and health care and a woman's right to choose. There's there's so much that's on the line in these elections. It is a crucial, crucial election. And so much is on the line. And as you point out, the secretary of state office is so important, even if People never really paid much attention to it until the 2020 election. Um, I have to ask, I know it's important for you. Uh, you were just in Georgia. In the United States, I don't believe there's ever been a black female governor. Uh, Stacey Abrams obviously trying to change that. In addition to everything else you just talked about, you, you've also said part of your goal is for every American to be able to see themselves represented in our government. Uh, we've obviously gotten farther than we used to, but but we still have a ways to go before we're at that reality, I think, don't you? I do. Listen, I, I'm a bit of a, a romantic. I love those first three words of our Constitution, we the people. Even though when those words were written, we the people didn't include women, it didn't include black people, and didn't even include white men who didn't own property, right? It was only wealthy white men who were included in that we the people statement. But I think we're at a time where we're moving in this country toward living up to those first three words, and we're doing that in places like Georgia or in places like Nevada, where I just came from, where we have the only Latina in, in a senator. So we have to protect this ability for Americans to see themselves in this process because, listen, these folks work for us, right? Every time that we get paid, we get money taken out of our taxes, and that money is to pay their salaries. So when a person is an elected official, we have to remind them that we are the boss, they work for us, we have to show up and vote so that they know how to represent us, so that we make sure that the people who are working for us are representing our values. You remember Today after is the last day to early vote in Nevada and Arizona. I just want to get that out there. It's super important. Um, yeah. So we want to make sure, I, you know, I'm going places where there are important Secretary of State races or places like Pennsylvania where there's a governor's race and in that state the governor appoints the Secretary of State. Boy, you are well versed on these issues. I, I, uh, I don't think I even knew that until a couple years ago <laughs> that the governor of Pennsylvania 
uh, appoints the Secretary of State. And I'm from uh, Pennsylvania. But you just reminded me, do you remember after <laughs> Vice President Kamala Harris was elected, uh, there was like an Instagram um, little film where like they showed every vice president uh, in American history. And it was just yeah. white man, white man, white man, white man, white man, white man. And all, all of a sudden, Harris, I don't know if you remember that. Anyway, your scandal uh, yeah. character, Olivia Pope, was notorious for yes. cleaning up political messes. Um, and I just wonder if you could put on your Olivia Pope hat right now. What would she make of the fact that voters <laughs> don't really seem to care about scandals much anymore? <laughs> um, I do think people care. I think people care a lot, but I think people don't understand how much power we have to make a difference, right? I think that there's been some, there's been a disconnect in people understanding that we are the answer to the problems that we're facing. I think too often people look like a look toward a character like Olivia Pope or even a particular candidate to say like, oh, that one person in office can save the day, can make everything better. Um, Olivia Pope, you got to help us. But the reality is that each of us has the power to be the solution to the problems that are facing our communities. When we show up and vote, when we engage in, in our civic activity, we allow ourselves to participate in this democracy. Democracy only works because we show up. But when we show up, we really do have the power to transform our communities and our counties and our states and our country and our world. So for me, a lot of why I come out here is not to say like, hey, I'm Kerry Washington, you should do what I say because I'm Kerry Washington and I'm really powerful. I come out here to say, you are powerful. I don't have the right to vote in Arizona. I can't vote in Nevada, but I can help remind people that they have the power, that they have the capacity to transform their lives lives and make sure that their representatives are actually representing them, to not give their power away. So you recently starred in the film, uh, The School for Good and Evil. Let's take a quick look at a clip. Yeah. Summon enough passion and you can accomplish anything <laughs> for you. It's such a fun film, and you look like you had so much fun doing it. Now, you said you channeled Beyonce for your new character. How do you mean that? And, and what else are you working on? Um, I, it was more the look, you know, that kind of amazing blonde textured hair. I mean, if you're going to be a black woman wanting to look like royalty, you can't not think of Beyonce. So she's a bit of That's an fair. inspiration aesthetically. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have another film coming out that, that I, I won't tell too much about, but that you helped us out a little bit. So I'm excited for people to see you. And it's something that we just finished filming at the company. Um, and I guess, you know, I, as I watched that clip, it's so funny because one of the things that young people always want to talk about after the film is this idea that no one person is all good or all bad. And I think it's something important to remind people in this political process as well, right? That no candidate is perfect. We're not out here trying to put perfect people in office. What we're trying to do is make sure that the people in office are accountable to us and that they're willing to hear us and see us, all of us, because um, that's their job. So I, I think it's really, I, I love the message of the film. I love the idea that we're all out here just trying to do the best that we can. And I feel like it's important for me to carry that message both you know, as a storyteller, but also just as an American participating in this system. And I just want to say this, Jake, I so appreciate you having me on the show, but I have to be really honest with myself and, and have enough humility to know that when I look at the research, the research says that, to be honest, me being on here telling people to vote is not as powerful as their friend or family member telling them to vote. That's what the research says. A famous person can say your vote matters, but when somebody in your family or somebody that you're close to tells you to vote, that's what really gets people to take action. So 
for anybody who's watching, know that you have more power than Olivia Pope. You have more power than Kerry Washington. <laughs> you, dare I say, have more power than Jake Tapper because you what? can really influence the people in your circle. Cut her yes. mic. So Cut after her you're microphone. done. <laughs> After you're done watching, don't don't cut it off. Don't don't turn us off. But after you're done watching, get on the phone, get on your your text threads, reach out to your people, your circle, yeah. and tell them that you care about them and you want them to care about themselves and you want them to vote. I agree with that 100%. Kerry Washington, always a delight. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's so good to see you, and we'll be right back. Thanks so much for joining us tonight and all week. Follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Jake Tapper. Our coverage continues now with Laura Coates and Allison Camerata. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Now streaming exclusively on Max, a new CNN flash talk about the album that has Nashville talking, Call Me Country, Beyonce and Nashville's Renaissance. Watch it at max.com slash callmecountry. Max subscription required.